You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back in to Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? Good, good. Yourself? Well, I'm doing just ducky. Thank you so much. Uh, appreciate that. Uh, I thought there'd be a little more enthusiasm after a big victory, but you know what? Shame on me. <laughs> no, just uh, the last sports thing uh, I saw right right before we started recording was uh, the, the Falcons inexplicably choking that lead away again late. And uh, man, I, I, I this is crazy for game three, week three of the NFL, but I'm not sure Dan Quinn's going to be the Falcons coach for no more than two more hours. He might no, literally got, be fired. They've got to let him go. I mean, you can't lose. I guess they've lost all three games like this. I mean, I know they've lost two of them this way. They had a 15-point lead against the Bears. Um, Calvin Ridley had another nice game. We can talk about all that later. But, uh, yeah. you know, the Falcons, their 0-3 start reminds me of an old David Letterman joke when uh, it's years and years and years ago he started the show by saying um, – well, tomorrow, he said, no, he said in two days, uh, the Major League Baseball season gets started. So you know what that means? In three days, the New York Mets went mathematically be eliminated <laughs> from the playoffs. <laughs> um, well, you know, uh, we have a victory to talk about. And we did. We won. We won. We won. And, and look, I, I'm going to start off by saying I, I'm not going to lie. Yesterday was fun. I enjoyed it. I, I watched all the games, did all the stuff. But it was weird. It was weirder than a normal thing. And um, I'm just going to say that right off the bat. I'm not discounting our win, nothing like that. Um, but I just thought it was weird. I think we should start, though, with the performance of Mac Jones. I think he solidified himself as the unquestioned starter. Now, some people are like, well, of course he did, Luke. But see, I've been touting all summer that I thought Bryce Young would eventually uh, wrestle that job away from him. I no longer think that's going to be the case. I think Mac Jones is here to stay. I thought he threw beautiful passes all game long. He showed composure. Hell, he took some hits. And that's what I really wanted to see was the, his ability to take a hit and still make things happen on his, his uh, I guess, his first touchdown to Waddle. He took an absolute chin shot. And uh, the pass was right on the money. He played really well. I, uh, I think with with Mac, not that this is a, a real barometer of, of what it means at Alabama or anything, but with Mac, to me, it's like, you know, what what round of the draft is he going to go in? I mean, I mean, I, I think Mac played exceptionally well, but he's played exceptionally well every time we've given him the chance. Uh, he's just really, really good. Uh, you know, this was suggested to me in a text earlier today. And it sounds crazy at first blush, but then look at the numbers. And, and, and what I mean is, is Mac better than a better player on the field than, than A.J. McCarron was? And that sounds crazy because A.J. won two national championships and, and there's so many variables to put in place. But, but this is what I would tell you, as crazy as that sounds, you know, A.J. was a, a fifth round pick in the draft. Uh, if Mac keeps playing like he did last night, he ain't gonna be around in the fifth round. No, I mean Mac's just better than that. So now, how he got there 
is different than all the other recent Alabama great quarterbacks. You know, A.J. was a highly recruited, highly sought-after guy. Jalen was a national top 125 player that was really good as a true freshman. Uh, Tua Tungavaloa is probably the greatest quarterback that's ever played at Alabama. He was a, and he was a six-star recruit. Uh, even Jalen Milrow, uh, who was coming in next year, and, and certainly Bryce Young, these were just highly recruited guys. Mac wasn't like that. Mac was just basically what I would call an average SEC signee at the time Alabama took him. And then he he generated no buzz for, for two plus years on campus at all. Uh, but what he did was every week he's been at Alabama, and I'm not talking about this year as a starter or last year, every week Mac Jones has been at Alabama, he's gotten to be a better player. He's just worked his ass off is what he's done. And, and, and now, three years later, he's standing here as good as any quarterback in the league. And the league has good, at least a few good quarterbacks, as, as yesterday proved with Kyle Trask and K.J. Costello having huge days. Well, Mac Jones had a huge day, too. And uh, it's a little different situation than Trask and Costello, but uh, I don't think Mac takes a back seat to either one of them. Uh, he's just a really good player. And as for how it's going to play out with Bryce all year, I'll just say, look at 2017. Uh, in 2017, Alabama needed both quarterbacks to win the national championship. In 2018, Alabama needed both quarterbacks to win the SEC championship. Uh, I thought Bryce Young showed exceptional top-end ability when he came in late in the game. He's just a true freshman, and uh, he's going to have to learn the float, learn to use his floaties before he starts swimming uh, in the Olympic breaststroke events. I mean, uh, he, he's just got to get settled a little bit and and composed and play behind a better offensive line, which really sort of let him down when he was in there. He was not getting good help up front from his, uh, from his, you know, his protection was not great. That affected things. But I, I thought Bryce looked extremely talented. It is not going to surprise me at all if we need Bryce Young at some point in, uh, in 2020. That, that, that won't shock me. No, I, I agree. And I think you said it very well. Bryce Young looked very talented. It just wasn't um, – the production wasn't necessarily there. And, again, it's his first game, and he didn't have a spring. So I'm not losing any sleep over this. And I thought he showed some incredible football awareness on, on one play where there was a bad snap and he's able to turn around and, and hit a guy, uh, I think Devontae Smith, uh, on the right. opposite side. Um, he also threw crazy. a couple of really nice balls. Um, he did have a fumble, uh, and but you know I want to go back to Mac Jones for a second. I think the thing that separates Mac from AJ is that um, well, first of all, the thing that separates him is, is AJ's two national championships and really uh, without a kick six probably wins a third. So that's the first thing that separates him. And and sure. rightly or wrongly, the quarterback gets the credit and the blame for things like that. And so AJ is going to always be known as the guy who was a championship heady quarterback. But, you know, I'm telling you, Mac Jones, I think he throws a better deep ball. And somebody else said to me last night, well, maybe, um, you know, AJ threw a nice deep ball. Remember that SEC championship game, the pass to Cooper? Yeah, but it took everything AJ had. You could see, if you watch that, and I've watched that play a million times, it looked like AJ just threw it as far as he could. And Cooper just ran under it. Cooper's just magnificent and was wide open. I feel like Mac Jones could make that throw from 10 to 15 yards further. And he could make it with less arc, which I think would have is a good thing. Um, 
when you have guys that can really beat somebody with speed, you don't want to give the defensive back any time to catch up. So um, I'm, I'm really happy for Mac. I thought he should have had three touchdowns. All three of them should have been to Waddle. I thought that uh, it, it was kind of iffy. Uh, replay really had a bad day yesterday in the SEC, if you ask me. He had a bad day. I've said it a million times. I want to do away with instant replay. It's it's uh, it's We have ruined it. We, we have taken something that started off with good intentions and we have nickled and dimed this thing to death and now we've ruined replay. So I'm fine with people <laughs> making mistakes again. Um, Jimmy, let me tell everybody about Built Bar before we go any further. Built Bar, builtbar.com. Jimmy and I have had them absolutely delicious. They just sent us some sample packets of this new energy drink they have. It's not really a drink. It's, it's, um, uh, it's like an energy packet. And man, it's so good. And they also have just the, the original built bars where they have 18 flavors, one of them being carrot cake. Uh, that is my favorite pineapple upside down cake, banana nut bread. Uh, you know, all your traditional ones. I think a raspberries in there, chocolate chip, uh, anything you want that's delicious. They have it at built bar, B U I L T B A R.com. Go check them out today and tell them you heard about them on the locked on family of networks. Okay, Jimmy, um, going back to the game here just for a second. Um, <clears throat> Jalen Waddle. I mean, I think I could probably just say Jalen Waddle, and then everybody probably just leans back, wants to have a cigarette, and just have a big, big sigh and go, oh, yeah, Jalen Waddle, fantastic. Man. Oh, my God, he is ridiculous. On a day when I thought the receivers in the league played their asses off. I mean, I thought the SEC receivers, more so than the quarterbacks, had a huge day. I mean, that was, you know, K.J. Costello had over 600 yards, and that's ridiculous. But we kind of knew that was going to happen. And I, by the way, pat on the back of me, I predicted it. Um, yeah. I mean, but it's not – it wasn't that big of a prediction because L- let's also not overreact. LSU was, had lost about everybody. So let's not – and Derek Stingley. We didn't even know he wasn't going to play. Yeah, um, then lose Stingley the morning of the game. I mean, they, they lost everything and then wake up that morning and now you have no Stingleys in the hospital. So that, that LSU team literally had almost nothing to do with the fact that they won the national championship last year. It's like entirely irrelevant. You know? Well – and Mississippi State had three guys go over 100 yards. That's that's astronomical. Uh, the Seth Williams had a huge day for Auburn. I mean, he he looked really good, and he played like a basketball player playing football, which is what I've always considered him to be. But now he's growing into more of a football player too, which is very right. scary. He is really really good. I hate that Alabama didn't sign him. Um, and then uh, Kadarius Tony for Florida, obviously the tight end. Uh, uh, Pitts for Pitts. Florida. God, he is so good. So, I mean, all these receivers had kick-ass days, but I'm telling you, I feel like Waddle had the best day because he made the best catches and he showed such a range of what he can do. He's not a jump ball guy, although he out as small as he is, he out jumped two dudes, took a hit from the right, a hit from the left, spun around Mark Duper style, and then landed and held, and you could tell that like in his mind, he was thinking, I'm not letting go of this football. There's going to be a lot of shit happening to me, but letting go of this football ain't one of it. And um, and then he gets up with that, with that you know, flex that was just awesome, sort of a Josh Jacobs throwback. And then, um, you know, obviously it, it, he showed off his speed a couple of times. He showed off his ability to catch it over the shoulder. Um, I just – I think Waddle might be the best receiver in the country. 
And and we've got a bunch of good receivers in this country right now. I just don't know that I would trade Waddle for any of them, including Devontae Smith. Yeah, I think Devontae is going to have, you know, he'll have a game like that a couple of times this year too where, you know, he he's the one. It's just his turn to make all the big plays because Devontae's so good. But about Waddle, I, I think it's just really simple to say this. Uh, even in our unbelievable 130-year history at Alabama of having so many of, of – so many just flat out legends of the game, but uh, Jalen Waddle is on the short list of the most gifted offensive players in the history of Alabama football. It's not like he's the, our best player now, which he is, and it's not like he's the best wide receiver in the SEC, which he is. He's beyond all that. He, he's 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 one of the best offensive players to ever play at Alabama. And, and I'm not saying that based on what he did last night. I'm saying that based on what he did since the day he stepped on campus as a true freshman in 2018. Uh, he, he's, he's simply one of the best. He belongs on that short list with Heisman winner Mark Ingram, Heisman winner Derrick Henry, David Palmer, Joe Namath, uh, Tua Tungo-Vailoa. I mean, you're talking about the, the, the short list of the great offensive players ever at Alabama. Waddles on it. And it is, it's really is kind of amazing. He might be our Heisman candidate. You know, for a while there, we were thinking it was Najee who also had a great game. And it's still so funny to me. I told somebody last night uh, that I was watching the game with that, you know, they were like, man, I love Najee Harris so much. And, you know, he averages like seven yards a carry. And I was like, you know, he does. But do you know his longest run at Alabama is like 35 or 36 yards? And it's still 35 or 36 yards. And he had 98, 98 yards yesterday. (laughs) <laughs> he's just yeah one one thing that really occurred to me last night and uh, I won't spend too much on this but it's kind of a weird I'd never given much thought to this uh speaking of Najee's yard per carries until a sequence in the game last night when when I think it was the first time that we put Najee on the bench and uh give him a breather and, and B-Rob comes in and, and B-Rob's on the field and we drive it down inside the 10 and have an issue or two and then when we're down the one-yard line, we take Brian Robinson out and put Najee back in, and Najee comes in, and, and I think he scored the first time he, w- he was in there. So it's like a one-yard touchdown run, right? And then there's a- a- another couple of times later in the game when it's like a third and one or a fourth and one, and we, we go all elephant and put the big guys in, and, and Najee makes the yard. In other words, Najee did his job. But the fact of the matter remains, the play only only goes down in the record books for a one carry, one yard. And it yeah. kills his average. It kills your average. Yet you did exactly what, you know, the best that can be done under the situation. It's kind of like in baseball when they figured out a few years ago uh, that, you know, we've been going by batting average all these years. And batting average is really a pretty silly way to uh, to measure whether a hitter is doing his job or not. Uh, it took baseball over 100 years to figure it out. Now baseball doesn't really use batting average anymore when it comes to determine who's who's the best hitter in the league. So uh, maybe yards per carry doesn't really, you know, describe the job that the back is doing. Uh, because Najee, I thought when the game was over, I thought Najee just had a better night than his statistics indicated. And it might have been because there was literally four or five of his carries where there was only a yard or two to get, and he got it. Yeah, that, that, that's a good point. I mean, he's sort of a 
he's got sort of a Jalston Fowler role sometimes when he, he could be a little bit more explosive. And and there there were a cup there was one run specifically. I don't remember exactly when it was, but there was one run specifically where he busts through. You don't think he's going to get through. He busts through, and a guy hangs on to his ankles, and Najee is dragging him with that one leg as far as he can until the guy finally gets some help and Najee has to go down. But if he's able to escape that ankle tackle, easily his longest run in Alabama history for a touchdown. Yes, yes. I remember the play well. Uh, Najee played great. I thought he showed off his uh, – I, I think he's a little quicker. You know, he's never going to be a 4-3 guy or anything like that. He's never going to have Waddle's, you know, a, you know, shiftiness and ability to make people miss. That's not who Najee is. Uh, but I thought he, he was a little quicker, maybe a little faster, uh, still running with good power. And I, I thought Najee was really good. Waddle was great. Devontae was good. Mechie was good. Yes. Uh, Mac was superb. Uh, we seemed to do pretty well at tight end. We played a bunt. We played four tight ends quite a bit um uh and and miller forstall had had a a fairly big play on one catch uh the first team offensive line in the first half played i think pretty well and then was the primary culprit behind the offense's lack of production in the second half i think as soon as the offensive line got a little tired and 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 started was started to substitute there everything just kind of went to crap on, on offense uh, as soon as we started putting in other offensive linemen, the chemistry disappeared. Some of the blocking disappeared. Some of those backup guys I thought really struggled. Uh, I, I, I'm real interested to see if we make any changes there. I doubt we do, but uh, boy, it would be really, really interesting to know how uh, Coach Flood grades his uh, offensive linemen uh, after last night. But for the most part, they did play well. I just think when, when, the, when it went kind of sideways for the offense, uh, it was really the offensive line. I mean, for instance, I think almost the stat of the game for all the people bitching when the game is over, and thank God I haven't been really online today because I don't want to read all that stuff after we win by, you know, 20 points on the road. Um, but but uh, I think if there's a stat that sums up the fourth quarter offensively, it's that Trey Sanders, the back we couldn't wait to see, super gifted five-star Trey Sanders, one yard on nine carries. Yeah, and, and and some of that is on Trey. I thought he was dancing around a little bit too much. I mean, Mac, Mac, well, Bryce hands him the ball, and and he's back there doing doing uh you know some the he's doing he's doing the cotton eye Joe, which I think is what they do in Alabama. He's back there dancing around, waltzing, tango, cotton eye Joe, doing all that stuff instead of just going. And uh, common with a lot of freshman backs. That's not that's not new. I mean, in high school he could dance around for twenty seconds, nobody's getting him on the ground. But in college, you can't do that anymore. And uh, so some of it was on Trey, but most of it was on uh, some pretty bad blocking that he got up front. He, he wasn't getting the help that Najee and to some extent Brian Robinson was getting. So uh, the offensive line really didn't block well. And Trey Sanders, one yard, nine carries. I, I wouldn't have told you that was even possible, but we saw it happen. Yeah, and it wasn't like he had one big loss. It was – he. I don't think he ever got beyond the line of scrimmage except the one time. I mean, yeah. it was – it was just not a good performance by him. And you're right, the offensive line. And I'll tell you something. It felt like the offensive line looked a little disinterested and unfocused when uh, there was some shifts. And it, and it was just clear we were going to win. And here's the problem 
you're not going to be, and I think this is where it's a positive for Saban uh, to turn it into a teaching moment because you're not going to be able to do that in, in this season. You're just not going to be able, able to have those moments or somebody right. will pull an Atlanta Falcons on you. You know what I mean? I mean, they'll come from behind in the fourth quarter. Um, right. Going over to the defense for a second, um, I, I've, I have read some thoughts online. Now, I haven't watched the game again yet. Uh, I did notice this a little bit. Daniel Wright had one good play that I remember, but he has taken a lot of grief online. And I think this is people really nitpicking. Um, I, I really believe that, that they, people are just going a little bit too overboard with the Daniel Wright needs to be replaced right now or we're not going to win another game kind of attitude. Um, I, I think that, uh, look, let's give this defense a little bit of time to gel too. Because as long as Dylan Moses is out there, as long as uh, Christian Harris is out there, who had an unbelievable sack, good Lord, was he quick on that first sack. Um, and as long as Will Anderson, who I thought he didn't get the two sacks that we thought he'd get, but he had a couple of plays where he blew some shit up. Um, I, as long as those guys are out there, I'm going to feel pretty good. Yeah, as far as the defense goes, uh, I think I would start with the line, the linebacking core was just fantastic, all of them really. Uh, Christian Harris, awesome. Dylan Moses, I think there's legitimate concern. You know, how would he play coming off the knee injury? Would he be tentative? Uh, you know, would it still be the old Dylan? Oh, it was the old Dylan and more. I mean, D Dylan, Dylan is clearly 100% healthy. He played great. Will Anderson, uh, the hype and buzz could not have been more, and we're to blame for some of that because no doubt we hyped up Will Anderson here on Locked on Bama. Uh, from the front, you know, maybe even earlier than everybody else. We've been overhyping Will. He still lived up to it. Will was one of the best players on the field, real physical. No, he didn't get his sack. He didn't get his two sacks, but he dis he was highly disruptive uh, when he was in. Uh, I thought he played great. I thought Chris Allen played pretty well, not not dominating, but Chris Allen was better uh, than what we've seen in the past and, and certainly proof he's a good player. Ben Davis got in for a few snaps and I thought looked looked fairly good. Uh, the linebacking core is just really good. Where we got to improve is the other two units. The defensive line, I thought, played okay, but I would like to see more plays. You know, didn't really get much production-wise out of DJ Dale, LeBron, uh, Ray, Byron Young, Justin Aboigby. We need more production out of that crew, but but I thought that they played okay. Uh, the real question marks were where kind of we thought they would be, and that's in the defensive backfields where there are so many new names I agree with the idea that Daniel Wright uh, missed more tackles than anyone else. Probably, you know, in terms of like, if you got to put a black mark by a few plays, like that wasn't very good. Daniel probably had more of those than everybody else. I would agree with that. But he did make 11 tackles, so he did something right. Yeah, I, and he, as another friend of ours pointed out in a text chain, he was in the right place a lot of times. And I think we can teach somebody to make the tackle. Um, but it's about trying, it's about getting to the right place uh, that's so important in Saban's. We see we see more of Brian Branch and yep. uh and, and less of Daniel Wright. Uh that 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 may be very possible, but let's see how Daniel Wright looks in week two. I'm far from uh far from giving up on the kid, but uh Jordan Battle I thought played well. I've seen Sertan play better, better than he did last night. I, I don't know why. I thought Sertan was maybe a little off. I, I think he was fine. Josh Job, 
I thought was generally pretty impressive since he was the corner I sort of worried about going into the games. But I, I, I thought Job was fine. And Malachi Moore gave up a couple. But uh, for a true freshman in his very first start, I, I thought Malachi Moore was pretty good. So overall, the DBs were fine. Overall, the defense was fine. Let's remember this. They, yeah, yeah, we gave up 19. I, I think it would have looked a lot different if Missouri only had 13. And they did score on the last snap of the game against all the backups. So yeah, and what kind of not, jackass is going to call timeouts like that? I mean, in this pandemic shortened season, uh, especially. I mean, where everybody's worried about injuries, and we hadn't had spring, and and nobody's had enough time to get prepared like we normally get prepared. You're going to call timeout after timeout and risk an injury for a score that really doesn't matter. I sort of get that playing to the final whistle thing. I understand all that. But sweet Jesus, Eli Drinkwitz, and learn how to spell Eli. It's just E-L-I, dude. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I I get all that. I I put it this way. I I didn't think Nick was upset about it because I think it gave Nick – it gave our backup defenders an opportunity to try to accomplish something to keep them out of the end zone and gave kind of those backups something to play for and gave some teacher moments. So I don't think Saban was upset about it. But he doesn't forget anything. Assuming Nick Saban's still around the next time we play Missouri, and who knows how long that will be, I bet he's going to remember that a little bit. Maybe next time around that first team gets a couple more series, if you know what I'm saying. There's no such thing as running up the score when you're losing by three touchdowns or four touchdowns. But it was – it was a bit unnecessary to call the timeout to get one more snap off in a game long decided. And, and boy, that Missouri crowd who was behind Eli Drinkwitz, imagine if uh, Connor uh, Basilak, the, the, the number two quarterback, who's a significant player for them, imagine if Connor Basilak or Larry Roundtree or one of their significant players on offense got hurt and yep. injured when all they were trying to do is hang six more points on Alabama with one second left. And instead, they get hurt and lost for the year. Uh, boy, his honeymoon uh, at Missouri would have been over quickly if that had happened. So uh, I thought it was reckless on his part. I thought it was a good opportunity for our young defenders. Uh, I didn't get pissed about it. I don't think Nick's pissed about it. But I also think, like I said, I think Nick's going to remember that and go, all right, fine. You want a 60-minute game? We'll give you a 60-minute game. Um, All right, Jimmy, let's take a break. Uh, When we come back, we're going to bounce around the SEC for a minute. Okay, Jimmy, as I mentioned, uh, interesting day in the SEC. I mean, you know, passing records were shattered. I I, I owe an apology to Kyle Trask. I'm sorry. I thought you did look like the best quarterback in the SEC. Uh, You should be preseason all first team. I apologize. Wholeheartedly admit I was wrong about you. Um, You looked pretty damn salty yesterday uh and then of course they're tied in at florida look good you know uh lane kiven's going to get a lot of love for his team's performance in terms of points but i feel like Ole miss kind of is what we thought they were i also think a lot of people are going to put up a lot of points on Ole miss um and now i want to go to that auburn game for a second because i'll tell you something look it's i don't know what it is about that indian burial ground over there but that play where Kentucky clearly scored, and they review it, 
and still say he didn't score. And then Auburn returns a pick six, which obviously didn't count um, for a rule that I hate. I think the call was correct. I think it sucks for Auburn that you can go back on replay and call that. Um, I hate the rule, number one. Number two, I hate that you can go back on replay and call that because why don't you do that with holding? You know, the NFL tried that with pass interference, and that was an abject disaster. But uh, regardless, I think if Kentucky scores right before half, uh, like they should have, I think that game is much different. I think that took all the wind out of Kentucky. Uh, for a game that Auburn appeared to win handily, but when you look at the final score, they didn't win handily. They never really had total control of the game. And uh, there is no doubt that the touchdown overturned, uh, that the touchdown that, that, that wasn't allowed uh, by the officials, which I thought Kentucky clearly scored. Uh, I thought it live and I thought it on replay. God just got in the end zone and I don't know how the officials screwed that up, but they did. And uh, I, I think it was a huge, I think there's just two or three plays in the game that decided that game. Uh, Kentucky's pretty good. Uh, I think Auburn's pretty good. Uh, now, I don't think Auburn is a threat to go 9-1 and or 10-0 and in this league and uh, a great year by Auburn or SEC standards, but but Auburn's pretty good. I, 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 they have a handful of defenders that I think – I thought Bo Nix thought he was improved. Uh, but Auburn, that, that game – the game was just closer than it appeared. Uh, Auburn never had – you know, they call it game control. I never really felt that Auburn was in command of that game, even though the, the final score indicates that they were. Uh, as for Mississippi State, look, you know, we, we said this on the show a time or two. I wish I had said it more often and louder. But Mike Leach has scored everywhere he's ever been. He can take 11 guys, 11 people out of Walmart and cobble together a productive offense. He's done it his whole career. We should have known that now that he's got a real talent at quarterback, like K.J. Costello, who's a legitimately NFL-talented guy, we we should have known that even in the SEC, Leach was really going to score many weeks with with such a good quarterback. that he hadn't really had at Washington State or Texas Tech. He never had a quarterback like this. So uh, I think Mississippi State is going to be difficult to deal with most weeks. Uh, I do not think they're a contender to win the West, but I do think that they're going to be a handful for anyone, including Alabama, uh, because K.J. Costello and that offense is going to score every week. Yeah, that's going to be a fun matchup when we play them. I mean, they're going to sling it all over the field, and people are going to have a come apart because they're going to pass for 500 yards on us. But they're going to do that to everybody. And um, again, I'm not going to read. I'm not going to overreact to this because LSU is missing a ton of folks. And uh, this is, you know, Mike Leach has known this system forever, and the SEC hadn't been see this system much. The SEC will catch up to it. I still believe that. But I, I will give Mississippi State mad props. They are the national team of the week to me. Um, Tennessee, South Carolina. I mean, South Carolina doing South Carolina things, touching that ball on the punt. Uh, boy, that just – I mean, we said that's a must win for both coaches, and I think Jeremy Pruitt survives, and I think this may be the uh, beginning of the death march for Will Muschamp. Um, what other game? Oh, A&M and Vanderbilt. Good Lord, what a crap fest. And I, I apologize to the world for believing in Kellen Mond again. That's my fault. <laughs> I, kept, I, I just assumed that a dude that's been at school for four years would obviously get better have, having started most of these years, and he just hadn't gotten any better. Um, that was just atrocious, and I, I'm going to be really, really upset if we play a close game with him next week. 
Yet I have no doubt in my mind. I, I doubt it will be against Alabama because defensively we are pretty good. We're pretty we're a pretty good bunch on that side of the ball. But at some point this year, Kellen Mond's going to have his 24 of 29 for 365 yard game. I mean, it's coming because that's what he's done his whole time at A and M. Is 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 one week it's great, the next week it's terrible, and and he was pretty uh pretty pedestrian against Vanderbilt. I didn't get to see any of that game. I did read quite a bit about it to kind of kind of get educated on Texas A and M. What I noticed was uh, Texas A&M fumbled the ball three times. They lost three fumbles. They also had eight penalties, and I believe all of them were on offense. So they, it was just an ugly first game for A&M. They probably kept things pretty simple, knowing it was Alabama, uh, Vanderbilt, then Alabama. I, I suspect that we're going to see a better Texas A&M team than, uh, than what was seen yesterday against Vanderbilt, but Let's just be honest. Uh, is, there, is there any Alabama fan out there wanting to trade rosters? Anybody want to trade Christian Harris, Dylan Moses, Will Anderson, and Jordan Battle on defense for what they got? Probably not. And I don't think anybody would want to, wants to trade Mac Jones for Kellamon. So uh, Alabama is, is – we'll see what the line is. I haven't seen it yet. I'm going to assume it's going to be Alabama by 2021. Uh, and uh, I think Alabama wins the game by that many points or more. We'll uh, – We'll decide as we keep on studying up the game this week. All right, buddy. That's going to do it for this episode of Locked on Bama. Oh, one thing we didn't mention, Georgia, Arkansas. Georgia literally has no quarterback. <laughs> They've got somebody that I think was – I think he was on Gilligan's Island. Don't they have Thurston Howell third back there at quarterback? Yeah, Stetson Bennett the fourth. He's actually a local – he's a local orthodontist that they found <laughs> in the stands. Came down to play the last – the last the fourth quarter and bailed Georgia out. He actually, his numbers were pretty good. He, Georgia sort of turned it around when Stetson been at the fourth of the game. And, uh, man, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Georgia over the next couple of weeks. But I think by the time Alabama game rolls around, the JT Daniels will probably be healthy and, and Georgia will be back pretty good at quarterback. I mean, JT Daniels was a good player at Southern Cal anyway. Yeah, he was. But here's the thing. Terry Wilson was a pretty good player. Then he gets hurt. Then you don't have a spring ball. And then the first time you have some real live action, you can't complete a pass more than five yards in front of you. And that's what Terry Wilson looked like for Kentucky. And that may be what JT Daniels looks like by the time he comes back too. But that's going to do it for this episode of Locked On Bam. Everybody go check out Bill Barr and uh, Jimmy Roll Tide. Roll Tide.